Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to set it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you run it straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside. The doctor is now in. And a good Friday afternoon to you. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any day for that matter. No doubt about it because it is a big-time weekend here. Breeders' Cup happening as we speak down in Del Mar. And our good friend, Double B, Brian Benowitz, is there because he's got a horse at Del Mar happening here today. Right when we get done at 4.10 p.m. So, uh... Yes, we'll get you caught up on the Breeders' Cup. It's a great weekend at Del Mar, one of the best racetracks in the country, of course. The Classic is tomorrow. Marco D'Angelo, he is in the house. He joins us today. Not only we talk Breeders' Cup, but, of course, we dive into the NFL, college football, and a whole lot more on this football-slash-horse-racing-slash-boxing edition of the tc martin show on this friday the cosmopolitan las vegas because don't forget tomorrow night it is fight night in las vegas at the mgm grand garden arena canelo alvarez taking on caleb plant looking forward to that we'll be there uh, uh for that fight tomorrow night and of course uh we are here at the cosmopolitan las vegas inside the sports book powered by william hill tc martin marco d'angelo from wager talk what is up my man uh, it's going to be uh, tough concentrating here on the show today with all these races going on in the background, TC. Uh, I'll try to do my best to stay focused. <laughs> there you go, my friend. I mean, with all the great TVs here in the sports book, and like you said, you're, you're a horse owner, you're a horse handicapper, uh, just like Double B. I know this is a... This is a, a very big day in the horse racing world. And you can even make the argument it's probably bigger you know, than the Kentucky Derby when you look at the volume of races, how many races, and the purses, uh, purses for all these races, 14 in total, five today, and then nine tomorrow. Yeah, and it caps off with the uh, Classic, which is a $6 million purse. Uh, it's, you know, it's like having nine Super Bowls in one day if you want to equivalent it you know, to football. And uh, for horse racing uh, fans, owners, and just plain betters, it's, there's no better two days than a Breeders' Cup. So it'd be like uh, an automobile racing. It'd be like the Daytona 500 and Indy 500 times six, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right, Jay Schrader is going to join us uh, today as well, too, the former quarterback. He's got a Super Bowl ring with the Washington football team back in the day. And, of course, he is a former Raider himself. Love having Jay on, the 11-year veteran. Uh, did a great job playing a quarterback, and we love having him on, on the program here. Jay spends a lot of time here in Las Vegas, uh, the former UCLA quarterback as well, too. So we'll talk some college football, some NFL, and specifically dive into the Raiders situation with Jay Schrader as well. As we know, the Raiders, a very tough situation with them coming off the bye week and the situation that happened with, uh, with Henry Ruggs. Um, now uh, we get word today that there is a, another lawsuit that's out there going to be filed against uh, Damon Arnett, um, the defensive back for the Raiders. And he was part of that 2020 class. Actually, he was uh, picked, what, 12 splats uh, right after Henry Ruggs was in that class of 2020. Our Arnett um, was actually cited for an accident uh, that he got into with another vehicle going back last year, last October to be specific, uh, going back into uh, he was uh, turning into the Raiders facility. Apparently, the report says that he was going about 65 miles per hour, uh, hit a, another car, a, a lady was driving, and uh, now uh, she has come out and said, hey, you know, th my thing never got resolved. There was like $92,000 of damage to her vehicle. And apparently when this happened last year, Arnett, um, he stayed and talked to police for a while but said, hey, i got to be late for practice. And he had someone else, a friend of his, uh, stay on the scene and, and, and talk to police. Uh, 
at the time this got brought up, Arnett uh, denied it. His attorney actually denied that anything happened. Later on, he came out and said, no, it, it, it did happen. He apologized. And uh, now, I guess, in light of what has happened this past week with a, a tragic situation where Henry Ruggs uh, was driving, you know, 156 miles per hour down Rainbow Boulevard and killed an innocent uh, victim, a lady who was driving her RAV4, her and her dog were killed. And we've been talking a lot about the, the story here, uh, the impact that it's had, not just uh, on the Raiders, but, uh, you know, people here in Las Vegas. Uh, tragic, horrific news. And so, of course, you know, the comments now are going to be, what is it with the Raiders organization where you have especially two guys in this draft class? Actually, you throw Josh Jacobs in there, another one who, remember, you know, got into uh, an accident himself at the airport. He drove into the wall at the tunnel after he got off the the plane, the Raiders team flight, when they came back from Denver last year. And, uh, you know, his blood alcohol uh, limit was was over the limit it wasn't like henry ruggs's you know 0.161 i believe you know josh jacobs last year was uh, uh, about 8, 8.0 which is right at the legal limit but again you know when you have these type of stories happening uh back to back to back and then of course you have the situation with john gruden three plus weeks ago uh, it just it begs the question of of you know, is this an organizational thing or, you know, does this have something to do with just individuals making bad decisions? Individuals making bad decisions. We're in a city, TC, that there are cabs and Ubers everywhere you look. There is no reason for anybody to get into a vehicle intoxicated in this this city. You know, we're not like we're, you know, I came from Pittsburgh and I lived in, you know, rural area. And, you know, sometimes, you know, to find transportation is a different story. Not here in Vegas. There's no excuse for that. In the street that uh, the incident happened on, Rainbow, that section, you know, I drive that a lot. I mean, we all do. It's a, you know. I don't know how you get to 156 miles an hour where that occurred at. It, it's just irresponsibility. And, you know, you've got to start looking. You know, the team, I, I know that they have people. I know when kids are drafted, they talk to them about because these guys got life-changing money when they come in. And, you know, a lot of them are, yeah, I don't want to use the word, but you have to. Maybe not mature enough to handle the situation. And, uh, you know, this is a fun town, but don't blame it on the town. You still have to make your own decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Just a very tragic uh, situation here. And, again, uh, anytime this happens, um, it's it's horrible to hear. But, uh, again, individuals making bad decisions, you know, plain and simple. We've talked a lot about this, uh, you know, during the course of this week uh, on this show. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, some people like to move on from this. But, again, it is, it is still relevant. And then when you have these, you know, follow-up, you know, incidences that, that happened, you know, even prior to this. And now, you know, more news comes out, um, you know, about another Raider, you know, being involved in having some legal problems. It's just it's not a good look, you know, on the organization. But, you know, is this Mike's, Mike Mayock's fault, uh, John Gruden's fault for, for drafting guys like this? And, and my point of this matter is there really were no red flags, especially with Henry Ruggs or Josh Jacobs when they were in college at Alabama. You know, Damon Arnett, well, I don't know. You know, don't really know his situation when he was at Ohio State. But the bottom line is there is this sense of entitlement from a lot of these athletes. I mean, and especially coming to Las Vegas, they feel that they're, they have entitlement. They're not going to call Ubers. They're not going to, uh, you know, use the lifts. I mean, this is a guy like Henry Ruggs. He goes, he's showing off his Corvette. Oh, I'm fine. I'm going to drive my car. I mean, ridiculous, you know, logic. And again, it's it, it's it, it it sounds horrible to say, but this is what goes on in a lot of these guys' minds. Obviously, I mean, th- these are horrible choices that they have made. But for people to say, well, it's why did they get an Uber or a Lyft? Because that's not who they think they are. Right. You know, those are the the right moves. Those are the smart moves. And I'll tell you this, Marco. Also, the NFL has a policy in place in every NFL city where they have a ride sharing program to try to avoid situations like this. And they have a number. It's in every one of these athletes' phones where if you feel like you're inebriated or you can't drive, you've had, you've had too much to drink, here's the number. We will take care of this for you. We will send some for you. 
Every NFL team has this, and every NFL player on a current roster has access to this. But because a lot of these athletes, and not just football, not just these Raiders, but just in all sports, they kind of feel that they're above and beyond that, and they, they don't need that. And it's wrong, but that's the modern-day athlete today, unfortunately. It is, and if they don't want to go through what the NFL has set up for them, I mean, you guys are making good money. Have yourself a driver. You know, you, these guys, I mean, I don't want to classify it, but a lot of people go out in groups, too. You know, so you have people. Have somebody that's your driver. You have them on a You want to go out, have a good time. You know, you're entitled to that. You know, um, 3 a.m. on, you know, game week, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's a good choice to start with to begin with. But if you're going to do that, have somebody with you. Just don't put yourself in those positions. And as athletes, for me, I'd like to have somebody, I would like to have somebody else with me just because you don't want to get in situations where if you get involved in a he, he said, she said, or whatever situation, you have other people there to document if something happens, if you're out at a bar or whatever. Right. All right. We are live at the Cosmopolitan here today, and Marco was, was, was jumping up and down going crazy, and you heard the crowd behind us here. I, I take it you had a winner in that race. Uh, I did have a winner, and I had the exacta, and I'm live to the Daily Double uh, in the next race there. We had number 12 in that race. So I am pretty proud of myself that uh, I didn't scream on the air because uh, – <laughs> I'm a screamer, not the way you would think. <laughs> it's a racetrack right, screamer. Right, right, right. <laughs> what was that? Oh, uh, drink, drinks uh, on Marco, everybody? Look at the sportsman. They're going crazy right now. Look at this. <laughs> no, Chuck, you don't get any drinks back in the studio, unfortunately. I'll sell it for food, Marco. Yeah. Yeah. Drinks. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, again, this is the Super Bowl of horse racing. For horse racing handicappers, this is it. And the Triple Crown races are fantastic. You, know, you get those three great marquee Saturdays with the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Belmont. You get that. But, you know, in November, you know, this first week in November where you get the Breeders' Cup, where you just get race after race after race for, you know, multi-million dollar purses, uh, it's fantastic. And, uh, and again, you, you know, every race is, is fantastic. And you've got the best horses in the entire world. Yeah, I'm jealous is uh, is so jealous of Double B right now because, unfortunately for me, this is the biggest day, and it always happens uh, that first weekend in November for the Breeders' Cup, which happens to be my birthday weekend, and I have never been to a Breeders' Cup because it's in smack dab, the heart of football season, basketball's underway, hockey's underway, and I have to be an adult. I have priorities, and uh, we've got to take care of the sports. But one of these days, I'm going to I'm going to get to uh, you know whenever it's either at Santa Anita or Del Mar, they move the Breeders' Cup around every year, and it's it's an event. I you know there's nothing like it, and you get to see today the beauty of the Friday edition is these are the horses that we're going to see on the three-year-old campaign next year. Uh, trying to get to the Derby or the Kentucky Oaks. That, that's what is so exciting. We're seeing tomorrow's stars today. And going back to last year, I remember Hot Rod Charlie at 94-1, yeah. right? We saw him yeah. in the in finish the second to uh, Essential Quality, which that, right. was the break, that was the breakout for Essential Quality. Everybody right. put that horse on the map, and mm-hmm. since then has only lost one race, and will be going in for $6 million tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Classic, all right? Uh, $6 million, like Marco said, at Del Mar, and the Classic is the feature race, will be the last uh, race on the program uh, tomorrow. Uh, Nick's Go is the favorite. You mentioned essential quality. Uh, he's a second choice at three to one. Uh, one of two entries from trainer uh, Brad Cox. And then there's also Medina Spirit, who finished a third in the Preakness and then won his next two starts, uh, including one at Del Mar on this very same uh, track. Let's talk a little bit about the classic, Marco. I know you've been handicapping it. Yeah, the classic in uh, Medina Spirit is. The other part that you uh, didn't mention was the Kentucky Derby winner. That uh, <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> that, uh, you can finish my sentence for me. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that uh, had the little post-race uh, positive uh, oh. in that race, and it still hasn't been resolved. He's been disqualified, but it's still tied up in the courts. What's going to happen tomorrow? And this is the first time that you're going to see three-year-olds, the good crop of three-year-olds, 
racing against some older horses. Nix goes a five-year-old. There's a couple four-year-olds in here, and I do believe that the older horses do uh, hold a little bit of an edge in the race. Nix go is going to go to the lead. That's the only way this horse races. Unfortunately for Medina Spirit, that's the only race that horse, the style that that horse likes to race as well. And I feel if Medina Spirit does get locked up in a battle with Nick's go, Medina Spirit's going to tire and falter in the stretch. Um, Nick's go will continue on. He'll put Medina Spirit away. But then what's going to happen is that second wave of horses, which will be Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality, is going to come at Nick's go, and he's going to have to battle those two horses. Nick's go, if you've never watched this horse race, he just, excuse the pun, goes and goes and goes. He keeps pounding out those 12-second furlongs and just gets stronger as the race goes. And I think he'll handle the first two waves of horses that come at him. But I'm going to go for a long shot in the race that's going to be coming late and I think is going to upset the apple cart, so to speak. And that is number nine, Max Player. That is one of the older horses. This horse trained, uh, changed trainers, and since Steve Asmussen has gotten the horse, the horse has gotten really, really good. Last two starts, the horse was fantastic, is peaking at the right time. I think Max Player wins this race. I have Nick's go second, the number five horse there. And then number six, another long shot, uh, Art Collector is peaking at the right time as well. The only thing is, is not getting his regular uh, jockey. Uh, his jockey uh, is on another horse, is committed to drive uh essential quality so he's picking up veteran hall of famer mike smith but i don't want to be no disrespect to mike he's at the, the back end of the career for right. for mike smith um i would have rather seen a different jockey on him and then i round i round out the field with a number four uh central quality uh to hit the board fourth but i'm gonna go with max player to pull an upset eight to one morning line and i don't blame you going against nick's go because just any any name of a horse with the word Knicks in it. I mean, that's not a good sign, Marco. As we know, the New York Knicks haven't won anything in quite some time now. Is Patrick Ewing a, an owner here? What's, what's going on? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll get behind the Knicks if we got Patrick or something like that. Possibly, yeah. But I tell you what, if you ever watch this horse, and the horse is a gorgeous horse. He's one of those gray horses, but he's got that gray with a little bit of black in him, and he is built like a tank. This horse is very muscular. I love watching him race. I've cashed some nice tickets on Knicks Go, uh, and he gives it on. And as far as trainers go, right now. Uh, Brad Cox has two of them in here, uh, Nick's go in essential quality. There isn't anybody on the big scene that has been hotter than Brad Cox on the big. If you remember last year, he dominated the Breeders' Cup. I think he had four uh, horses uh, either win or hit the uh, hit the board last week out of the last year out of the nine races, and that's phenomenal uh, for one trainer. So. Don't buck, uh, don't buck Nick's go. Okay. <laughs> right. Listen to Marco D'Angelo. He knows it. All right. The uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, five races today. Uh, it's kind of the futures uh, card today. Yeah. And then uh, tomorrow you've got nine more championship races, 14 in all between today and tomorrow at the beautiful uh, track there at Del Mar. Look forward to the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic tomorrow. All right, a couple other local things we want to touch on this segment before we start diving into handicapping some college football in the NFL this weekend as well too. This is fight week and uh, Canelo Alvarez. Every time Canelo is in Las Vegas, it gets everyone's attention. Canelo for me, uh, the best pound for pound fighter in the world and uh, he has taken on Caleb Plant and this is a a rare unification bout. We usually don't see this in boxing where you got four belts on the line and that is going to be the case. Canelo has three of the belts. The IBF super middleweight champion is Caleb Plant and uh, if you're looking to bet on this fight, you're probably going to have to bet it uh, a round prop because Canelo Alvarez is a minus 800 favorite here. Now, when this line opened up, you know, going back a couple months ago, it was like Canelo minus 550, and that's that's kind of doable for me because I love betting on Canelo, mm-hmm. Canelo and, I, and I'll lay four or five, even sometimes six dollars. But then it just started just going up to seven, seven fifty, eight hundred. We'll see where this thing lands. And it's because this really is a one-sided fight. And as much as Caleb Plant is gonna is talking trash, and they had the face off there, and 
in in Los Angeles a few weeks back where Canelo took a swipe at him. That kind of created a little bit of hype. But when they had the final press conference at the MGM Grand uh, on Wednesday, uh, the promoters decided no face-off here <laughs> because actually Caleb Plant took a, a, a shot from Canelo with an open hand and, and it cut him right below his eye. And, and promoters got a little bit scared saying, wait a minute, we, we can't you know postpone this fight here. So no face-off. Uh, on Wednesday, but that did not stop Caleb Plant from uh, saying that he was going to take down Canelo Alvarez. But uh, looking forward to the fight tomorrow night. Um, we'll have round by round coverage on that. You can follow me on Twitter with that at TC Martin 21. Uh, looking forward to that. Anytime Canelo fights, it's it's must see, no doubt. But uh, this should be a walk in the park for Canelo Alvarez. Even though a lot of people like to say, "Hey, you know, Caleb Plant might have a shot here." No, uh, Caleb Plant has zero shot in this fight tomorrow. Yeah, it, next to Mayweather, he's the biggest draw we have here at Vegas for a fight. And you talked about the odds, TC. Generally speaking, when you get the public involved on fight day, you're going to see a point where the line will drop before the fight because most people that want to go to the fight and maybe never bet a fight, they walk up to the window and they, they go to place their bet and whenever they hear they got to lay $800 to yep. win 100 they don't want to do that. Right. So they're going to just, oh, heck, I'm going to take a shot on the dog. And then you get a little bit of a drop in the line because yep. there's so many casual bettors throwing a $100 right. bet on the dog. Yep. So if you missed it the earlier price, wait till you know a couple hours before the fight. You might see a little dip right. on the price, and you can get Canelo at a discount. Yeah, and you know what? I was talking about this on a couple other other shows um, uh, yesterday about the same thing. And you know, there's not going to be any sharp money that comes in on Caleb Plant, yeah. and they're going to be recreational betters, like you're saying. So I don't know how much the line really will drop, and that's what people do. They look for value, and you're right. Traditionally, the dog uh, that you know. People bet the dog the night of the fight. But usually when you have a good fan base, mm-hmm. okay, of say, like say a British fighter who's coming in or that, that sort of thing, you know, then you'll, you'll get that. But you're not going to have that. You're not going to have people coming in from Nashville, Tennessee to root for Kayla Plant to really drive that number down. So I think for the most part, if you're going to bet on the fight, people are going to want to look at the round prop here. And the under over is nine and a half rounds. And that's, that's, that's fair. And you could probably still make the case here to maybe bet the over nine and a half because uh, Canelo Alvarez does start off slow. Um, and Plant doesn't have any punching power. Plant is 21-0 with uh, only 12 knockouts and has not faced the caliber of competition, of course, that Canelo Alvarez has. So it uh, doesn't have that punching power. So I, I think that you could probably make a wager and feel good about going over nine and a half because usually Canelo usually takes over the fight, usually in rounds like five, six, and seven. And if Plant can hang on until past you know, the 10th round, you might have yourself a live ticket if you want over nine and a half here. And just hope that Canelo doesn't land that big punch. <laughs> and he could. And, and, he, and he could. It, it just depends. If Caleb Plant has upset Canelo during the course of this promotion, he may take it out on him early. (laughs) But I know people love to bet the underdog, and they like to talk about the underdog. Does he really have a shot? And uh, in this case, no, he, he really doesn't. And there's a big UFC fight, in, uh, not not here in town, but there's several watch parties, uh, you know, going, uh, you know, for that as well, too. Yeah, it's, you know, the fight, I mean, I remember when I first started coming to Vegas back in the early 80s, and, you know, boxing was king, and, you know, through the Tyson era and all of, you know, all the fights out here. And, we you know, we kind of lost that a little bit. We're getting it back a little bit, but not like it used to be back in the day. I don't know how long you've been here, TC, but, you know, for me, that was fun back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like I said, I got here in 92 and lived through all those great fights, and then, then I left here in 99 and then came back here in 2015. Uh, but, you know, we are starting to get a lot of great fights. I mean, the the Fury Wilder, you know, fights yeah. were, were fantastic in that uh, – it, it was a great gate. It was a great betting handle. And, uh, again, Tyson Fury, you know, showed yeah. he was he was the better fighter. And we talk about those throngs of people that love to support these fighters, like Tyson Fury coming over from England. Even though he didn't couldn't have his British fans come over because of the pandemic right. this time around. But anytime Canelo fights, I mean, uh, 
the throng of Mexican fans, yeah. you know, coming over here, uh, it, it, it's fantastic as well too. So, but yeah, so boxing is uh, is is back in in a big way, and of course, here coming up in a couple of weeks, our good friend Showtime Sean Porter will be fighting Terence Crawford for the welterweight championship of the world. So that'll be fantastic as well too. So it, it's we're glad to see that that not only boxing's back, but we're getting packed arenas as well too. So we're looking forward to Canelo Alvarez tomorrow night in front of a packed MGM Grand Garden Arena. All right, Marco, I know uh, how closely you follow the Golden Knights, and we talked about this yesterday. Real quick, I want to get your opinion on the trade for uh, Alex Tuck is gone, Peyton Krebs is gone, off to Buffalo for Jack Eichel, and I know that uh, you know hockey fans and Vegas Golden Knights fans are pretty excited. They've been wanting to uh, have Jack Eichel here, but uh, you know, losing Alex Tuck, another fan favorite, one of the original Golden Misfits. When you look at this roster now, it just continues to shrink of those names. And of course, you get that. This is professional sports. That's the business at hand here. But for a lot of Golden Knights fans, you know, not real happy here. Um, and Jack Eichel is a guy who's injured, currently not playing. He has a herniated disc. Um, he was a number two overall pick by Buffalo going back to 2015. He is in the fourth year of an eight-year contract, uh, paying him $80 million. And, uh, you know, after his surgery, he's expected to, to be able to skate in about six weeks. But you're not going to see Jack Eichel, you know, probably until, you know, February at the earliest. Your thoughts about Jack Eichel being a member of the Golden Knights? Well, two quick thoughts. First off, as far as the fan base goes, we're a new sports town. And as you said, a lot of the fan base doesn't understand the economics of the business and they're attached to that first team i mean it was like you know their first born vegas born i mean these guys here and uh so they got to adjust to that the second part is it kind of sucks that you're not going to see him for six weeks but think about this he comes back as you said if we get him back in february and he gets that month to get his legs and then we head into the playoffs you're going to have one of the best players in hockey fresh for the playoffs that's going to be huge if you know we're in the position i'm assuming that we're going to be in a position down the road that we are in the playoffs that's going to be a big plus for the team and you'll have enough time before the playoffs start to gel because anytime you insert a new player into a lineup there's that adjustment period where everybody you know roles change and they'll have time to adjust to it so i'm excited all right Golden Knights coming off a big win last night in Ottawa. They're expected to win, but again, yeah. this team has been decimated by injuries. This, you know, earlier this week, William Carlson, yeah. he's hit with another injury. I mean, you, I mean, six guys, you know, currently injured on this roster. It's amazing when you look at the players that are out that they could score any goals at all right now. You know, so uh, you know, and Robin Leonard, you know, has played much better in the last few games, but you know that margin for error because they weren't scoring goals. You almost had to have a you know perfect uh, you know performance from your goalie, and you know they're getting some goals, and Robin Leonard's getting his confidence back, and things are working. If they can ride this initial storm of the season, uh, I think the future's bright for the Golden Knights. All right. All right, we continue on here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on this Friday. We come back. We start handicapping the college football card for Saturday. Got a couple games here tonight, too. We'll touch upon uh, one of those. And then, of course, we take a look at the NFL, our best bet segment coming your way next hour. We give you our three best college plays, our three best uh, NFL plays. Those best bets up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check it all out from our esteemed crew. And Jay Schrader, former NFL quarterback, he will be joining us at 3 o'clock as well on this Football Friday live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the Dr. Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. At the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the TC Martin Show, of course, streaming live tcmartinshow.com. If you are a tourist, welcome to the Cosmopolitan. You're a local, and glad to have you back here. Of course, we're here each and every Friday. Marco D'Angelo is in the house with me today. Jay Schrader is going to join us next hour. Trevor Maddich also as we get ready for our best bet segment coming your way. We'll give you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays for Sunday and Monday as well. All right, uh, we're here inside the sports book, and it is time for you to open up a William Hill betting account. If you don't have one, it's real easy to do. You know, bet on your phone. 
And then if you open up a brand new account, use the promo code TC50, you will get a 50 free dollars in your account. That's right. If you deposit at least 50, boom, they will match it with an additional 50. So it just makes sense. You don't have to fight the long lines at the counter. And again, if you're just in town, you're a tourist here, you can go ahead, open up the account, uh, deposit some money, and uh, get that bonus in there as well, too. That'll take uh, a day or two for you to get that. But then you can cash out when you leave, plain and simple, and you can bet from your phone. The easiest thing to do, use the William Hill mobile app and use that promo code TC50, $53, when you open up a brand-new betting account. And not just here at the Cosmopolitan, but any William Hill sportsbook throughout the great state of Nevada. All right. Marco D'Angelo. We've been having some fun with some football. Last night, the, uh, the Colts, there was a no-doubter against the Jets, right? Uh, I didn't think there'd be that many points scored. How about the Jets' offense all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> you lose Zach Wilson, and uh, all of a sudden they're scoring points in bushels. All right, let's take a look at uh, the college uh, board here, and uh, we'll go over some games. But before we dive into that, Marco, I want to get your thoughts on the college football playoff rankings that were that came out earlier this week. You got uh, Ugga at the top. You got the Georgia Bulldogs, no argu- no argument uh, there whatsoever, and then you know Alabama number two. And I think you know I was glad to see that the committee actually used the eyeballs and used the eye test. You know, instead of putting another undefeated team up there, Alabama has the one loss, but they, in my opinion, are clearly the second best team. And I can hardly wait for that showdown between Georgia and Alabama that will come in the SEC championship game. Who knows? Maybe it's the the first of two times that they meet. You never yeah. know. But, uh, you know, when you when you look at uh, the way everything, you know, kind of lined up here, uh, your thoughts, the college football playoff rankings early on. Well, I'm going to make a comment to your opening comment where you said you're glad they went with the eye test and didn't just put another undefeated team up there. My thing is, then are we going to just say that unless you're in one of the Power Five conferences, you're never going to play for the national championship? I, I mean... What does Cincinnati have to do to earn a right to play? That's that's my thing. I think they deserve a, a shot. If you go through the season undefeated and they did play an out of you know a non-conference game, they went to South Bend. Granted, whether Notre Dame is strong or not this year, I, I think they're a step down. It was when you scheduled that game. That was a big game. You, you took the challenge and went out of conference on the road. I think they should be rewarded for that. Um, we'll see what happens. Now, Georgia's going to have a big uh, dictation on what happens because if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game and now you have a two-loss Alabama team, even though by the eye test they may be the second-best team in the country, are you still going to go with the eye test with Alabama? What do you do then? I go with the eye test all, at all times, and I'll tell you why. And I'm a proponent of... <laughs> of the non-power fives i mean i was on central florida's bandwagon years ago even going back you know boise state and teams like that but here's what you got to do to answer to your question if you're cincinnati you've got to win and you got to win impressively you can't play the way you played against navy two weeks ago and win that game 27 to 20 and navy is horrendous this year and then you face a two-lane team with a one victory a one and seven two-lane team where you're struggling and basically you have to add on a couple garbage touchdowns at the end and still not even cover a 26 point spread i'm not saying that you know it's all about the spread here but that was a one score game for a majority of the game and cincinnati is not winning impressively and again not saying that you got to score 50 and 60 but you have to look good in what you're doing and Desmond Ritter is getting all of this hype but he's not living up to that hype he's you know again the game against Notre Dame they, they look good that's fine okay but you have to go ahead and just look dominant in these lesser opponents especially when you're talking about one and two win teams yeah. and that's you set me up for the second part of okay. what my analysis was going to be. Assist me. Okay. There you go. The be careful in these final weeks. But you're yeah. going to hear the phrase style points over and over yeah. again. And we all use it. And it's great for talk radio. Um, but you know what? Vegas knows that. When I'm talking about it from a betting standpoint because that's what we are. We're a show talking yeah. about betting. They are going to inflate the lines on those teams that are sitting right on the cusp on the outside looking in. 
You're going to pay a price for Cincinnati the rest of the season. You're going to pay a price for Ohio State. And just because they're going to want those so-called style points and run up the score to try to impress the voters uh, doesn't mean they're going to cover those spreads. And so be careful whenever you're automatically doing it. And I think some of the sour taste possibly in my mind, I know a lot of people were on Cincinnati the last couple of weeks because of that reason, and they lost their bets. So, you know, that's going to knock you down a little bit. The old, when you take a hit in the pocketbook, right. <laughs> that's going to change your, your view of that team a little bit. And from a sportsman's standpoint, I hate to see a game that a team's up 21 points and it's in the fourth quarter and it's the final three minutes and see that team that's winning big trying to score. I, You know, why embarrass the other team? But that's what we've created with the poll system the way it is. All right. And, you know, again, Cincinnati impressive last year uh, in, you know, the Sugar Bowl game against Georgia. And you look at them, and they, so they came into this season with a lot of hype. Uh, and, again, you know, they're not playing a very tough schedule. So, like you said, Notre Dame, that was the game that was circled where they had to impress the entire country, and they did that. But I think you just expect a team to play better. And we'll I'll put Oklahoma in there as well, too. Oklahoma is 9-0. and are they, are they passing the eye test right now? No, they're not because they're not winning convincingly. They're struggling uh, offensively. You know, they've had a quarterback situation, you know, uh, there as well, too. And the defense is kind of like the Oklahoma defense that we've seen in years past. I mean, having to outscore opponents and, and giving up, you know, 35, 40 points a, a game. So, you know, people wonder, why is Oklahoma way down in these, in these, op- in these first rankings here? And, you know, when they're 9-0, it's because you're not winning impressively. And, unfortunately, if we're going to keep this format of only four teams, uh, they're going to get the college football playoff, then that is part of the scrutiny. And I think that's fair. I can't argue with you. I just, I always root for the underdog. And I want to see, that's why I like the basketball, the NCAA, because every team has a shot. you got a shot to, to win your way okay. to the but, championship. But let me ask you this. Don't you want to see the four best teams and the most deserved teams instead of, you know, maybe one of those Cinderella's at the end? Because we've seen the Cinderella's, you know, maybe get there or even get to a major bowl game, and then we've seen them you know, fall flat on their face. We have, and we've also seen the big-name school, and I hate to pick on Notre Dame and Oklahoma, but how many times have we seen them get steamrolled in it? If I was, if I had my way, okay, let's make it Marco's day. You rule the way you want to do it. Hey, you want to raise, you hit the exacta. It is your day. Go ahead. I would make it a six-playoff team, and the number one and the number two, because generally every year there's no – there's really not a discussion with one and two. Everybody seems to agree. Right. Where the discussion comes is who's three, who's four, and who's the five and six looking on the outside right. in. So let's do this. Make it a 16 playoff. One and two gets the bye. Let the other four teams play that first week and then hook them up against the one and twos the way it would be there. So this way, we have a chance to let one of the Cinderella teams that had a special season have their chance, and then do it on the field. That's what I would do if you let me rule the world for a day. All right. <laughs> I like, I've always been a proponent of the 18 playoff, and I, I think, you know, it just extends it one more week. You can get that done, and, again, it just it just takes out any argument whatsoever. And where people say, well, when you get to seven, then the, the 9-10. Hey, if, you're, if we're talking 9 and 10, you don't deserve to be in the conversation anyway because, you know, Outside of, you know, we go back, you know, 20 years ago, it was one and two only. And it was, it was a voting thing. Yeah. And then became, okay, three and four. So I'm okay with that. But, you know, again, there are so many teams. And there is, you know, so much parity in college football these days as well, too. So I think you can make a case that if you are number five or you're six, seven, maybe even eight, that you have a legitimate shot of, of winning a national championship. Yeah. You do. And, again, especially because it is getting deeper and deeper. But uh, that, that's the argument that continues to fall on deaf ears with the, with the athletic directors and, t- and presidents of, of our universities. And you think way back when you said it was just one and two. It was one and two, and one and two didn't even play each other. Exactly. Because we had the, you know, the ties to the balls. You, you, know, you couldn't. Right, right. You had one team in the Rose Bowl and one in the Orange Bowl, and then we had to look at them and decide from mm-hmm. there. Six undefeated teams, Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan State, 
Wake Forest. And we'll throw this one. You like a little Cinderella? Uh, UNLV knows a little bit about this team. Uh, you know, University of Texas, San Antonio, right? <laughs> All right. So aside from Georgia, who's the best of the undefeateds? Oh, I believe it is Cincinnati. Okay. I, I, I've been on Cincinnati's bandwagon, and I know that the last uh, two weeks, them having uh, not won by enough of a margin is, you know, tainted their image. But uh, they've done everything that they're supposed to do. They, they beat everybody in front of them. Let's see what happens uh, after that. The Texas San Antonio team is a fun team to watch, but they haven't played anybody. Right. You want to talk about not playing anybody, but their offense is prolific. Uh, you know, they, they can score on anybody at any point of the field. So, and then Wake Forest, the ACC, come on, nobody plays defense in the ACC except Clemson, and Clemson has no offense, so that's why they're not there this year. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see Cincy get their shot. In Ohio State's playing well right now. And, you know, what's going to happen uh, – if Michigan State runs the table, you know, at some point you've got you to get them into the conversation. I like this Wake Forest team. I, I like them because I love their offense. They can score points at will, but I like the way they score the points. They do it with a lot of misdirection. They've got, they've got a great offensive scheme. Defensively, of course, they're not there yet. And they got a big game. Actually, the next three games are big. So they've got, they've got North Carolina, who has underperformed, and we'll talk about that game here in a minute. Then they've got to play NC State, who is probably the upper echelon of the ACC. And then they got Clemson, and then they have to go to Boston College. So actually, they got they got four games left. And if they, if they can run the table and they're 12-0 at, at the end, I'd say Wake Forest can be one of those teams just because, you know, you talk about Cinderella, but it is a very good football team. It's not like, you know, they're, they're beating up the Tulsas of the world and the Tulane's of the world. I mean, this is still the ACC. They're down. I get that. But you can only play the people that are scheduled in front of you. But, you know, watching this Wake Forest team, this is a good football team. They're a great offensive team. I, this week is going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah. I don't know that they can actually set the over-under high enough on, <laughs> on this game because we know they're going to score, and we know North Carolina can go up and down the field. In North Carolina is a mirror image defensively of, of Wake Forest. They can't stop anybody. I think if they get past North Carolina this week, the one that could be the problem for them is NC State is sneaky good. That is a team that can play some defense. They can play ball control and frustrate you and run the football at you. And that's how you beat a Wake Forest is if you can keep that high-octane offense on the sidelines for long periods of time. North Carolina uh, is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They are at home. They still have Sam Howell, explosive quarterback, but Wake Forest has Sam Hartman, their explosive quarterback as well, too. Oh, and if you like totals in this one, you talked about more. (laughs) 77 is your total in this game. And if you watched... Wake Forest against Army, you have no problem betting the over yeah. because that game was 70 to 56. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the teams was running the football all day. That's true. That's <laughs> okay. right. So that chews up some clock. 126 <laughs> points with a service academy. Does that blow your mind? Yeah. yeah. And then that same service academy, I think their total this week is like 37 and a half. Yes. Because <laughs> they're playing Air Force. Run. Yeah. E- exactly. <laughs> Which uh, I actually like a side in that game. Yeah. So we'll, okay. we'll, we'll get to that. All right. Uh, uh, real quick, Wake or North Carolina, got an opinion on the game? I don't on the game, but I'm, yeah. I am going to be involved in the over. You will be. <laughs> I like it. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, we've got a game tonight. Uh, we've got a couple games tonight, but I want to touch on the Pac-12 game with Utah, a nine-point favorite over Stanford. We've seen Stanford be very, very inconsistent. We saw them, you know, just drill USC, which, you know, on the road earlier on the season what led to the firing of Clay Helton. But then, uh, you know, Stanford has not been able to – to really kind of duplicate that. Uh, in Utah, again, they've had some quarterback issues, but still pretty staunch uh, defensive team. Utah favored by nine in Palo Alto, Marco. Yeah, you know, this Utah team, they were expected to do a lot in the Pac-12 this year. Well, a lot of sharp guys here in town thought they would be the team to come out of the Pac-12 this year, and then they suffered the quarterback injury. They've won four of their last five games, uh, TC. The only game they lost was two weeks ago against Oregon State, and that was a game that I was on Oregon State because it was a bad scheduling spot for Utah. They were coming off that big win against Arizona State, which at the time, 
that those two teams were deadlocked uh, in the Pac-12, and then they had UCLA on deck. You talked about Stanford causing uh, Clay Helton getting fired. How ironic, you know, David Shaw got him fired. Right now, there's a lot of talk in Stanford that uh, David Shaw might be on, you know, his welcome uh, mat might be pulled there. Uh, it's been, you know, you think about the success he's had there, but it's what have you done for me lately? And Stanford's on the brink of missing uh, the bowl games for, what, two or three years in a row now? Mm -hmm. So that doesn't go well. But a home dog on primetime Friday night game, if I had to play this game, I think this line has gotten up a little bit too high. I would take Stanford plus the points. It's not a game that I use tonight. I did use the other game tonight, uh, the Virginia Tech-Boston uh, College game. Right. I'm on Virginia Tech in that game. I think they've played the much tougher schedule than Boston College. Both teams are sitting at 4-4. Four and four. I think they're the better team there, and will get the win on the road. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple marquee games tomorrow. Uh, Ohio State, 14-and-a-half at Nebraska. And this Nebraska team, they play well enough to win until Adrian Martinez becomes Adrian Martinez. Scott Frost is just married to this guy. And uh, then, you know, we have the Buckeyes, you know, earlier on in the, in the season, had a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball. Seems like they've taken care of business. Now, are you willing to lay 14-and-a-half with the Buckeyes at Nebraska? You know, on paper and the way Nebraska has played the last couple games, it would look like you would, but I, I'm a little bit concerned about Ohio State. They came off that big game last week against Penn State, and really, Penn State played them tough. Uh, it was the turnovers that ended up doing uh, doing them in in that game. And speaking of turnovers, you hit the nail on the head with Adrian Martinez. This is a guy that at times this year looked like he did as a freshman. I mean, after that freshman season, there was talk of him being a Heisman candidate, and he never lived up to it. He had some good games early, but the last couple games, again, those key turnovers at inopportune times. Last week, I think they had four turnovers in that Purdue game. They dominated Purdue when they held on to the football. I think for Scott Frost, this might be the last hurrah. Uh, they they need a signature win down the stretch. Uh, I would look to Nebraska plus the points playing at home in this one. But, you know, I just can't bet Nebraska with confidence with the way they turn the football over. But it's too many points on the road. Yeah. Michigan State, four-point favorite uh, at Purdue. And Michigan State coming off that huge come-from-behind victory against their arch rival, Michigan, last week. I know the tendency says you know, hey, this team is going to have a letdown, and you're going in, into Purdue. And remember, Purdue, just a few weeks ago, they beat Iowa and upset out Iowa, and that really started the downward spiral for, for the Hawkeyes at this point in time. So do you think Purdue can muster up uh, another upset here, and do you think Michigan State is going to be a little bit flat, especially early on in this game? Yeah, this is one where you could maybe split your bet up two ways. And, again, great segue, start the game yeah. flat because – they were dead in the water, and uh, I finally, uh, one of my best friends, uh, one of my business partners is a big Michigan alum, and I sent him the congratulations tweet a little early last week uh, on that game with Michigan and uh, mushed him <laughs> with the Michigan in that game. He wasn't happy about it, and uh, they came back from 16 points down. That's their biggest rival. We talk about, you know, Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, it's a rivalry, but it's more of a one-sided rivalry. It's bigger to the Michigan State because Michigan, of course, has Ohio State is their big rivalry. If they come out flat, I would take a shot with Purdue in the first half, and I would take Purdue for the full game because for Michigan State to rebound and come back, after that game, the way it went, and they got to be, you know, I always use the phrase fat and sassy after a big win like that. Purdue has shown this year that they can, when they play well and don't turn the football over, they can play with anybody. We saw that against Iowa. Now, the difference with Iowa was their offense is a little bit handcuffed. They're, they're not an explosive offense. Where Michigan State has a little more offensive power. But this is a total bad scheduling spot for Michigan State. For me, it's Purdue or pass. It's not a game I gave to my clients, though. There aren't any top 10 matchups this week, but we've got like a 13-14 going yeah. against each other in the SEC. It'll be your your main game at 1230 on CBS, and that's Auburn at Texas A&M, and the Aggies a four-and-a-half-point choice in this game. You got a thought? 
I lean to the Aggies minus the four and a half, and I know the knee-jerk reaction when you look at this game and seeing what Auburn has done this year, with the you know the exception of losing to Georgia, which is, <laughs> we give anybody a free pass when it, you know against Georgia, they have played well. They went to Penn State and only lost by eight. Now I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Penn State hasn't looked so good the last couple of weeks. They haven't been the same since uh, Clifford got uh, hurt uh, at quarterback, but. Remember, when Auburn went, that was early in the season, and that was Penn State's whiteout game. That is tough to go on the road there and win. They also went on the road, and I know LSU's down, but that is still a tough place to go in and win on a Saturday night at LSU, and they did that. Uh, but I just think Texas A&M has a little more firepower than Auburn does, and what I like about Texas A&M is after they played Alabama, they had every right to come up with a clunker. Granted, they played two of the lower echelon right. in the SEC, but they didn't miss a beat. They they played well, and that shows me, you know, that goes to the coaching, and I think Texas A&M survives and wins by seven. All right, all right. Love that. We'll uh, touch on that to next hour in our, our best bet segment as well. Any other real quick, Marco, outside of your best bets, which we'll get to next hour on the college side that uh, you contemplated? Yeah, there's some nice situations. Uh, one of them is uh, SMU at Memphis. Memphis, I like to use the old, I call it the dream crusher uh, theory. SMU was undefeated until last week. They lost that tough game against Houston where they battled back and tied it and then lose on the ensuing kickoff return, you know, in the final minute of the game. That's got to be gut-wrenching for them. And now they got to go on the road and play a team, Memphis, that can score a lot of points. Their defense is not good, but they're getting four and a half at home. And we've seen that game. The Sharps are betting Memphis. That line has come down all throughout the week, and we talk about it all the time. When you're seeing a line moving early in the week, that's not John Q. Public betting, right. especially when it's the dog, okay? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Memphis just missed, uh, you know, being a best bet. All right. There it is. See, people in the sports book here taking their notes. There it is. And there will be plenty more in store around your door, more of what you're looking for coming next hour, too, as we get into our best bets situation. All right. Look forward to that. We are live at the Cosmopolitan here on this Friday, a football Friday. It's also fight weekend, like we talked about. Canelo Alvarez taking on Caleb Plant tomorrow night at the MGM Grand. It's Breeders' Cup, right? Uh, now, so if you hear Marco just jump out of his seat and start screaming, you understand that you know we're smack dab in the middle of the Breeders' Cup as we speak here. Jay Schrader, the quarterback, my man, he is in the house. He is going to join us coming up after the break as well, too, as we start talking NFL and a whole lot more coming your way. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is the T.C. Barton Show on a fabulous football Friday. <laughs> 